This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout, the pitch on its way, it's blasted out to dead center field! Out of here! Ball gets away! He's going to break for the plate! Ball game is over! The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning! This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Hello and welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush. So excited to be with you uh, here on this Angels Off Day. Recording this on Wednesday, June the 2nd, which is Luke Gehrig Day across MLB. It's the first time MLB has done this. We'll tell you all you need to know about that coming up in our show. Here's the deal. For the next half hour, it's going to be you and me having a little conversation here, talking some Angels baseball. I want to get some of your thoughts on this Angels club, but I know a lot of you do that using the hashtag Angels Recap on Twitter, finding me at Trent Rush Sports. For those that might not be familiar with what we do on the radio, you know, this podcast comes out every week, but every night after Angels home games, you can tune in on Angels Radio AM 830 after you spend the whole night at the ballpark, you're hanging out, eating, you know, St. Archer pretzels with your friends, enjoying a cold beer or two, having a good time, of course, 21 and over. Uh, of course, having a great time uh, with friends, family, maybe you just like to come by yourself, maybe you like to keep score and are into that. Uh, you come up with questions at the end of the game, and that's when it's your opportunity to be a part of our coverage. When you're driving home, you send me a tweet before you get on the road, and I'll answer your questions on the air. we got some good questions that have been available um, over the last couple of days since we haven't had a home game in a little bit. Uh, we're going to have some of those questions here on the podcast, so we'll answer those here on the show. Look, I, I just think it's so important, right? We all know that this is an Angels family, and I just think it's so important that we maintain that relationship. So I know sometimes, you know, times are tough, sometimes are good, whatever it is, no matter what, we're going to be here. And it's so important that we're able to have that conversation um, and and connect with uh, you guys because the fans are everything. And starting on June 17th, we're going to be able to have a whole lot more of you over uh, for our party here at the Big A. Uh, And that's when the Angels take on the Tigers. But that's the magic day because it's when the Angels are are able to finally have a full crowd at the ballpark. And, And you know we've had some crowds at you know 14 15,000 which is like maxing things out those crowds have been awesome and what i have loved about angels fans that have been coming to games so far it's the fans that are coming because there is limited you know capacity because of just the restrictions out there the fans that are here it's like they cherish what they have you know, having missed an entire season last year and now coming back, um, and you know, it's tough to get tickets. I, I know it has been. Um, but so when you're here, nobody wants to, no one wants to arrive late and leave early. You're here, you're into the game. The crowds have been awesome. I mean, I'm telling you, there are times when, when 14,000 has sounded like 40,000, 
And it's been so cool uh, to hear that. And, you know, the Angels are starting to play some better baseball, too. And that's some of the things that we're going to talk about today. We are seeing an Angels team that has really gone through some real ups and downs this year. And I think that they're starting to come out on the other side of this thing. I don't think that you could have had a tougher month than what May was for the Angels. I mean, seven of their ten series were against teams in first or second place in their respective divisions. I mean, every series it felt like was tough in the month of May. Um, I don't know that there's a team that had a tougher month than the Angels did, it just in terms of their opponents, just what was set on the schedule. And then you lose Mike Trout you know, early on in that process as well. N- none of that is made making things any easier. And Mike Trout's doing well. He's out of the walking boot. We're going to hear from Joe Madden, tell us an update about Mike Trout coming up in a bit. And we're just going to fill you in on, on all things Angels baseball right now because you're starting to see some of those pieces coming back. Like I look at the catching situation, and I, I look at Max Stassi. And Max Stassi, who has started 11 games for the Angels this year, he comes back uh, in Game 2 against the Giants again. We're recording this on Wednesday morning, the Angels' off day, before they start a homestand, uh, beginning with the Seattle Mariners on Thursday. But the Angels coming off the Barrier road trip where they end up going 3-3. Three and three. And I think that you talk to anybody, I think any Angels fan would have taken 3-3 three and three on that road trip going into it, especially when the Angels lost the first two games of the trip. So the Angels have won three of four. They've won six of the last nine. They are playing better baseball. But I don't think that you know it's a small thing getting somebody like Max Stassi back. The fact that the Angels have had their starting catcher for 11 games this season says a lot. And the Angels are 7-4 and four in the 11 starts that Max Stassi has made. And you look at you know the the twenty three caught by either Max Stassi or Drew Butera, the Angels are thirteen and ten. They're twelve and twenty in the thirty two games that have been caught uh, by Kurt Suzuki or Anthony Bembu. It's just been the reality. Now I, I think Suzuki's been you know some hard luck is definitely a factor there, and you know that's that's not the be all end all. But I do think that there there is something to be said for having your guy, your catcher, like Stassi is that guy for the Angels. So by getting Stassi back, I, I think it's really significant uh, for the Angels. I think it's going to help their pitching staff quite a bit. We all know the pitching numbers have to get a lot better. I mean, that, that's no surprise. And and there have been some surprises. Like, I'm, I'm shocked that here we are now in June, and Dylan Bundy does not have a win yet. I mean, Dylan Bundy got quality starts in five of his first six uh, appearances of the season. Five of six starts, quality starts, did not get a win in there. And since he has struggled, and the Angels got to get him right. I know he dealt with the ankle thing for a while. I don't know that that still bothered him. And he just got tagged with you know the long ball uh, the other night in San Francisco, gave up three home runs. The Angels got to get Dylan Bundy rolling again. That is critical. And and Andrew Heaney, you know, he had a really good outing against the the Giants the other night. And, and for Heaney, it's you know sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off, and you want to see it on more often than it's off. And, you know, you see there's potential there. I think Patrick Sandoval is emerging as a guy that I think has great stuff. I'm really excited about what Patrick Sandoval can do. Sounds like Chris Rodriguez is closer to coming back as well. I don't know that he's a rotation piece right now. But I do think that, you know, getting some of these guys back is going to be uh, really critical. And I look at the Angels overall, and I just think about what could have been for this season. I mean, here we are, and you're basically a third of the way through. Okay, but how about this? The regular starters, right? I think we could all agree: Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon. I'd say Jared Walsh, Max Stassi, David Fletcher, Justin Upton, Jose Iglesias. I, I like those eight to me 
are, are like, I think, the core, you know, regulars for the Angels, right? I, th- I think everybody would agree with that. Sure. Okay, those eight guys have played in four games together this year. They have all been in the same lineup four times, and the Angels are 3-1 and one in those games. Okay? So the fact that the Angels basically have not had their team, like I'm, I'm excluding right field because Dexter Fowler got hurt so early. I'm not even including right field into that mix. If you want to throw Fowler into the mix, like who the Angels thought would be their, their group to begin the season, I think they've only been in once. But I'm I'm even leaving Dexter Fowler out of that. That that core eight has played in four games together, and the Angels are three and one there. So even though the Angels have had their pitching woes, I do think that the lineup not being together and the injuries have played a significant role. For example, here's a stat that's interesting to me, and again. I'm a believer that pitching is what wins for you. I think pitching wins championships. I think pitching is critical for all of this. And the Angels starters have to be better. The Angels bullpen has to be better. And it's starting to – I got a theory on the bullpen, which I'll explain in a moment. But the reality is when the Angels have scored at least four runs, they're 24-8. and When I talk about the group that I just mentioned before, Trout, Rendon, Otani, you include Stassi in there. You got Iglesias, you got Upton, you got Walsh, Fletcher. That group, the eight that I'm talking about there, that core group, had you had them, I feel like you're looking at four runs a night with that group, at least probably five or six runs a night, the way the Angels should be able to hit the baseball. And this whole group, this has all been built on, you know, the Angels pitching staff was going to have to be, you know, average or close to average, and the lineup was going to have to be dominant. The lineup hasn't been dominant because they haven't been together, and the Angels have had to go patchwork in a lot of different places. I mean, we, we've seen Jose Rojas and Taylor Ward start a lot more games than I think what a lot of people thought. Like, even Kurt Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki was brought on to be the backup catcher, the part-time catcher. Far less than 50% of the games was supposed to be the plan for Suzuki. He's played in, in almost half the games the Angels have had this season. And the, the reality is, and as one of four catchers that have started games for the Angels this year, and you're seeing guys in different roles that you know you just didn't necessarily expect to see um, because of all the injuries that they've had to deal with. So by getting some of these pieces back, I think it's going to be more um, it, it'll be a lot more significant for the Angels uh, pitching too to get that kind of support. Like how different do you pitch when you get the kind of support you know the Angel bats are capable of providing? I, I just look at that stat when the Angels have scored four runs, the Angels are 24 and eight. And I don't know that four runs a night is a whole lot to ask for. But when you think about all the injuries that this team has had, you can't ignore that. So when I'm projecting to the future and I'm taking a look at, okay, I'm looking at the June schedule. Let me turn around here at my desk and take a look at the June schedule and see what the Angels have in store here. Think about you know possibilities for the Angels and what this month can be. Seattle is a team that I know they're hot right now. They're around 500. I think the Angels are a better team than Seattle. Even banged up, I think the Angels are a better team than the Seattle Mariners. I think the Angels are a better team than the Kansas City Royals that are coming up at the end of this uh, homestand uh, coming up here. The Angels then get an off day on June the 10th before they head back on the road. They got to take on Arizona in Arizona. 
And that that's a series the Angels need to win. Arizona is, is a bottom feeder right now in the National League. And then they're back up to Oakland. And while the A's are very good, and I know that they are a tough team, um, I, I still like how the Angels match up with the A's. I, I know. I get it. And they pitch really well. Um, but even still, you look at the 10 games before that Oakland series – between Seattle, Kansas City, and Arizona, you got to be able to take care of business against those teams in those 10 games. The Angels need to win like seven of them. I mean, that's the reality because they can't afford to play around 500 with teams that are below them in the standings or around the same area because you've kind of already blown that chance. That's where the Angels are at right now. And now it's about making up ground. So, yes, I think that you're happy going 3-3 three and three against first-place teams like the and the Giants. I think you're good with that. But then when you get teams that are towards the bottom of the standings, you got to be able to take advantage. And the Angels have a window right now. Um, and they have a player heating up. That's going to be very key to this, which I'll explain in a moment. Um, but then you got the Tigers back in after that at home, and that's the 17th. That's an important day. That's when everyone's welcome back in the big game. We can have a full crowd. I want to see a sellout. Um, how about we make, you know, that Saturday night for that fireworks show, that needs to be a sellout. Here at the Big A. Uh, we got to find a way to make that happen. And then they get two games uh, sandwiched around off days against the Giants. So that'll be tough, but it'll be fresh because you get an off day, a home off day on June 21st. Home off days are beautiful. Then you go, and then it gets a little tougher at the end. You go to Tampa Bay and New York, and the Yankees have been sputtering. Obviously, Tampa's been really hot. I don't know how they've done it, but they have. And, and they, again, that's another team. Uh, the lineup's not great, but they pitch really well. They strike out a ton, um, and, and you can get some revenge there. Uh, Tampa's been really good here at the Big A historically, and they swept the Angels in a four-game series earlier this year, but the Angels have also been really good in Tampa Bay, so maybe the Angels can get something back uh, there before you finish out the month in the Bronx. But you look at the window, and especially the 10-game stretch the Angels are going into right now, the Angels have to be able to take advantage. you got to take advantage against Seattle, Kansas City, and Arizona. I mean, That's what it boils down to. Uh, this is a very important window. And um, I was getting to a point about the bullpen before we get to the player uh, I mentioned a second ago. For the bullpen, I think that there is a confidence level that is such an integral part of success in that position. So even though you, you might have the stuff, but for a while there, for like two straight weeks, it seemed like no matter what, no matter who Joe Madden went to out of the bullpen, that reliever was giving up runs like instantly, and a lot of times like leadoff guys. I think that there was a confidence thing like, oh boy, here we go again. And it doesn't take a whole lot to get out of that rut, but you need to be able to have some success. Like we, The Angels have had some like really good bullpen days that have been good where a starter doesn't go very deep, and the bullpen like rises up and gets them through. Like That's been really good. Like I, I look at the game the Angels played on Sunday um, against Oakland. And that was a game where the Angels got a 4-2 win in that game. Quintana had an early exit, went three innings, and then Suarez got his second win. Suarez is now 2-0 on the year. Comes out of the bullpen and was really good for the Angels. He's got a 2 ERA right now. So Suarez is somebody. And I don't know that he's a starter for the Angels. I don't know that I'm ready to say, okay, let's put Suarez in the rotation. But, boy, a long relief guy to come in in a situation like that, that was fantastic. You know, Ciszek uh, was good in that game. Myers then comes in, gets out of a jam. Um, Rysel Iglesias gets a four-out save. Like, that's what you need. Iglesias has racked up nine saves this year. And I know it's been some of the guys underneath him that have struggled, but – 
when the Angels can get more defined roles, I think that even I, I think that even in the struggle where the, the the bullpen had like the two weeks where it was really tough for the it felt like a two week slump for the bullpen. I mean, it just was. I think you still feel good about Watson, Myers, Iglesias at the end. I really do. There are other guys in there that you need to figure out what their role needs to be. I think C-Sheck is now rising as one of the one of the guys that you can count on in that spot. And I know that you know Slegers had a hard time and he ended up you know getting sent down um, after having some issues, uh, being able to to hold leads and and that thing. So. Uh, you you start to figure out your bullpen. I mean, two months is kind of that time, and I think the Angels have a better understanding of what the bullpen is. And, and it, yes, it, it absolutely needs to be better, but I do think that you can count on those three. I think getting Chris Rodriguez will be back, and you, you just work in guys like, like you know Suarez and Rodriguez could be really key pieces for this Angels bullpen. And then Sandoval maybe finds a spot in the rotation. You know, they're going to take a look. The Angels are still evaluating Jose Quintana and what's going on with his shoulder there. You know, I don't know that it would be the worst thing in the world if Quintana, you know, was ever moved to the bullpen. And maybe, maybe you try to piggyback him with Sandoval and you try to get some starts that way. Maybe you just kind of, I don't want to call it a true opener, but maybe you let Quintana start a game, get through the lineup the first time through, and then it's Sandoval for the next time through. Like, maybe that's something the Angels want to explore moving forward. I don't know what they're going to do there. But I think that there are ways to be creative because there are some arms in this system that are interesting. Um, a, a really interesting, and I've I've had a, a good time, you know, seeing guys like Sandoval and Suarez step up. I think Jaime Berea is really good. Uh, you know, I, again, I'm not saying Jaime Berea is ever going to be an ace of a rotation, but I do think that he can be really solid for you, and he has been for the Angels this year. He was really good in that 2018 season. You know, he was a gamer. I liked what we saw from Jaime Berea in that 2018 season. You want to see more of that, and I know that you know in 2019 and 2020 he really struggled, but I think Berea has actually been pretty good for the Angels since he has been back. The key position player for me in this whole thing is Anthony Rendon, and that's why I thought it was so important for Anthony Rendon to have a good game in San Francisco because when Mike Trout went down, so Trout gets hurt on May 17th, um, that first game of the homestand against the Cleveland Indians. Rendon actually got three hits that night. Rendon went three for four that night, drove in a run. Okay, He was batting 274 at the time. In the 14 games after that, he really struggled. I mean, there's no denying it. Six for 49, that's a a 122 batting average. He drove in just two runs, no homers, just two extra base hits. Scored just three runs in the 14 games without Mike Trout. When Mike Trout goes down, the whole village has to rise, right? Especially when, you know, no Shohei Otani in interleague games. And, and Otani's been awesome. And Walsh has been awesome. They've been solid and consistent all year. Upton, you kind of know with Upton, it's going to be streaky. So you have to, like, you kind of have to count on there are going to be times where Upton's going to be great. And then there are times where he's going to struggle. And, like, you just know that going in. So you don't want to get two up or two down on Justin Upton because you just, you just have to keep in mind the player that he has been his entire career. Okay? But with Andy Rendon... A notorious slow starter, sure, but I don't know that he's been this slow starting. When I look at the 14-game stretch where he had, where he, he was batting 122, an OPS of 381 in two weeks without Mike Trout. Now, in that stretch, the Angels managed to go 6-8, and eight, which if you would have told me the Angels would have no Mike Trout, you'd lose Jose Iglesias for part of it. In that stretch, there was no Max Stassi in that whole time, and Rendon was going to be a 122 hitter. 
and the Angels still were able to go 6-8, and eight, I'd say that's actually not too bad, quite frankly, because you know it can be so much better than that. But Rendon is the key for this offense. And when he is hitting the ball, squaring the ball up, getting doubles, you know, clearing bases, coming up in big RBI counts, you know, like he did twice in that game on Tuesday night in San Francisco, drove in five runs in that game. How about the fact that in in that swing that he had, um, what was it, the, the fourth inning? Yeah, the fourth inning last night, he had more RBI with that one hack than he did in the 14 games leading up to it. Anthony Rendon is a key for the Angels, and I have always been a big fan of Anthony Rendon. I love his swing. I love his hands. Um, but clearly, you know, when you somebody goes into a slump like that, you know, it, it's hard to be. It's it's hard to stay focused on on the positives that Anthony Rendon brings to the lineup because you know he was in a real slump, and I don't know that we talked all that much about it. Uh, but but Rendon was slumping. The Angels need Rendon to be really good, and having a really good game from him, starting the month of June right in San Francisco, going three for five, he had five RBI, that was outstanding. I mean, in the time, in the slump that we're talking about, his batting average went from 273 to 213. That can't happen, especially with Mike Trout out. So it was like, you know, you look at you look at everything going on, you had Upton in a slump. You had Rendon in a slump. You have Mike Trout not available. No, you know, Max Stassi behind the plate. You lose Jose Iglesias in there. And David Fletcher was slumping for like half of that. Now he seems to have turned the corner a little bit and is getting that going. You got some interleague games in there, so Shohei can't play. So you, you look at all of those things, and the Angels still manage, and that was against a lot of good teams. You know, you're also talking about seven games with Oakland in that stretch. You know, of those 14 games, eight of them were against first or second place teams. And the Angels were able to go 6-8 and eight there. Again, that's not good enough. I know that. However, um, when Anthony Rendon is going to be able to turn the corner and the schedule gets a little easier, I do think that things set up pretty well for the Angels to make a push. I don't think that they are so far down they are out of it right now. You know, on this day, June the 2nd, as I take a look at the MLB standings and where the Angels are at, it's not like the ALS is this dominant division. It's not like anybody is really running away with this thing. The Angels are six games back. They are six games back with a lot of baseball left. There's over 100 games left. They're 25 and 30, five games under 500. Oakland right now in first place at 32 and 25. They are six games back. That is not an insurmountable amount. Now, I, I don't think that there's going to be a wild card team coming from the AL West. I'll tell you that right now. I think you got to win the division in this league. I, I think you have to win the AL West. But I look at you know the the A's, the Astros. I, I think those are the teams that are going to be you know competitive for that. I still don't know that a team in this division is going to get to 90 wins. I said that you know earlier in the year. I feel the same way now. You know Seattle's a 500 team right now at 28 and 28. I don't think that they're going to stay a 500 team. They were hot in that stretch, um, and the Angels are going to get to see them up close and personal for four in a row here with the Big A. Angels got to win that series. Like that's really critical, um, and that can kind of help establish you know the positioning in the standings. And set the tone moving forward. I mean, this is the time for the Angels to strike right now. I'm really excited um, about what the Angels are going to be able to do uh, in, in, the, in this period right now. Because I, I think that there is a golden opportunity here. You get Rendon clicking. He's found his swing. He gets back. He gets rolling again. You get Rendon on a hot streak. And it, it's not too different, you know, from the possibility of like what the Nationals were in 2019. When they were 19-31. and 31. Rendon really struggled those first two months. And then Rendon got hot and everything changed. 
So when Rendon gets hot, and then you're able to reinsert Mike Trout back into the order with Jared Walsh, with Shohei Otani, you'd like to think that the worst is behind Angels starting pitching. You'd like to think that Dylan Bundy is only going to get better. You don't know. He's got to get better. You'd like to think that Patrick Sandoval being in the rotation again is going to be beneficial. How good was Alex Cobb uh, just this past Saturday night? Boy, you love seeing that from Alex Cobb. You know who Andrew Heaney is. You kind of know who Griffin Canning is, and Shohei has been amazing. You know, you look at this group and you start to think, okay, as far as starting pitching concerns go, I'd like to think the worst is behind the Angels. We don't know that. And again, it still has to get better. Like That's the other part of this too, right? Even if the worst is behind the Angels, as far as starting pitching goes, the, the starting pitching still has to improve. That, that's got to be a part of the equation moving forward for this Angels team. But I actually like the direction the Angels are headed. I mean, yeah, yeah, they won six and nine games. Um, It's not like that's a crazy sample size. It's not like that's a crazy run. It's not like the you know thirteen in a row that Oakland won earlier this year. But the Angels at six games back, it's it's not like they're out of it. You have two thirds of the season left to play, and I, I really would like to think that the worst is behind the Angels, especially with a really tough month of June. Go, or excuse me, a really tough month of May, going into a, a much easier month of June. That's what's ahead for the Angels. And, and I'm actually excited about the way the Angels are trending. But they got to be able to take care of business. Like they can't, hey, we had an eight-run game against San Francisco. Cool. You, you can't have a drop-off there. they got to push that forward. You know, David Fletcher had, had a, a rough first two months. He's starting to come around a little bit. Um, you know, the first six weeks of the season for Fletch were, were you know, below what you'd expect from him. The Angels have had, you know, the, the wrong guys slumping. They've had a lot, the wrong guys getting hurt. And you're starting to figure out the bullpen roles. You're starting to figure out what your, your rotation is going to be and, and who guys are. You get all that settled, and then you start to get into a, an easier month of June. You try to get through the first half, get to the all-star break, and then you get the greatest pickup of all time, the greatest midseason pickup of all time, and that's Mike Trout. That's what's ahead for the Angels. So um, I, for one, am not counting this team out. I'll tell you that right now. Again, it's six games back, ton of baseball left, ton of runway. Um, I like I like the direction the Angels are heading. And then if they're able to, you know, if this Angels team can get into July and be competitive and maybe get to within, you know, three or four games, the division lead, and then you can take a look at what's available as far as starting pitching goes on the market. What kind of moves could the Angels potentially make to bring in more starting pitching? Maybe bring in some relief pitching too. I mean, if the Angels were able to bring in a killer starter and a stud reliever at the deadline, I know it's a huge ask, but if the Angels were able to do that, you get Mike Trout healthy, you get the right guys clicking, why couldn't this team make a run? I, I still feel that way about this group. As, as bleak as things have looked at times for the Angels here in the first two months, I really think that the worst days are behind, and, and this team is going to be able to get better. The pitching has to improve, though. And you look at the, the numbers. I don't need to rattle off the numbers to you. Everybody knows the Angels pitching has really, really struggled this year. It has to be better. But I can't help but go back to that number, where if the Angels score four runs, they're 24-8. and eight. That says something to me. I don't know what it says. It tells me that the Angel Bats should be able to overcome um, you know, some of the pitching woes the Angels have had. That, that's kind of what that says to me. I do want to shift gears to a moment because just the other day we celebrated 
Memorial Day and celebrate it. I know a lot of people go to the beach and have their fun and enjoy their picnics and hang by the pool and all that. Uh, but you know, it, it's a, it's a celebration that's part of a memorial to recognize and honor those men and women that have fought for our country and died for our country, protecting the freedoms that we have. I want to tell you the story about Len Hollywood, uh, born in Northern California back in 1894. A multi-sport star at uh, Alameda High School uh, was signed by the Detroit Tigers, but the manager of the San Francisco Seals, Harry Wolverton, was able to get Hollywood to play a couple of games uh, for the Seals that year, and then he played in some winter ball in the East Bay City's Winter League up there in Northern California, only to go back in spring training with the Seals, playing in the Pacific Coast League. In fact, in a game against the Cubs, Hollywood had a great day, three-hit day, had, you know, ten chances in the field, took care of business there, no errors, stole a base, scored a run, and the Seals would end up beating the Cubs 3-2. to two. The Pacific Coast League was a big deal, is a big deal, and we're going to talk about that uh, coming up in a moment. But played one final game on October 21st of 1917 where he played third base. Now a month later, Hollywood would leave his hometown of Alameda to join the Army and would end up getting sent over to France in World War One. He was a part of Company H of the 161st Infantry. Now the deal is that was an infantry that they were not scheduled to fight. They, they were not committed to combat. Instead, they were to be used as replacements uh, for other units, but it was in this role that Hollywood would be called into action and would later be killed in action on the battlefield of France on November the 3rd of 1918. It's actually even more sad how his family was found out because nobody at home knew what was going on. The armistice signed, obviously, November 11th of 1918. He was thought to be safe. I mean, it was only eight days uh, prior that he was killed, and in fact, he had written a letter back home to his parents on October 20th that was delivered after he had passed. In fact, it was not until the War Department notified his parents in January of 1919 uh, the news of what had happened. And the Tigers would not hear about his passing until 1919, and that's when his unopened contract was sent back uh, to his family. And it simply said, killed in action November 3rd, 1918, written on the back of the envelope. And Len Hollywood has since been buried at Arlington National Cemetery in Arlington, Virginia. But a war hero and a Purple Heart recipient. Today we honor the legacy of Len Hollywood, one of the many baseball players over the course of history to be killed in service. In fact, at least of those that we know about, 281 former ball players have died in military service. And we remember all of them here on this Memorial Day of 2021. I did also want to take a moment just to talk about the Pacific Coast League uh, for a second because, um, you know, the the Seals were a big part of that. And, of course, you know, the original Los Angeles Angels were a part of the Pacific Coast League, founded in 1903. The Hollywood Stars, the first team that Gene Autry, of course, uh, who started the Angels, but, you know, the Angels were not his first ball club. He was a part of the Hollywood Stars um, ownership group before that. The PCL was a really big deal, and and something really sad happened in baseball this offseason. I don't know how many people are aware of this. Um, I know people in baseball are, but I don't know that it's gotten that mainstream. That A lot of the names from the leagues have since gone. Like, for example, the Cal League here in in, in Southern California and really throughout the state. um, That used to be called the California League in high A. It's since been moved to low A and is simply known as low A West. Uh, The International League on the East Coast, that's where their AAA is. That is now AAA East. The Pacific Coast League has since become AAA West, and it's important to remember 
why these league names mean so much, it's because the history is so much greater than just being affiliated with the major leagues. I mean, for a long time, the Pacific Coast League was as significant almost as the American League or the National League. And there was even a time where the PCL was trying to get into Major League Baseball and be the third league with the American League and the National League. But for so many people, the PCL is what brought baseball west. I mean, you can't be the national pastime without the entire nation being a part of it. And the PCL was that for the West Coast. It was the major leagues of the West Coast. I mean, there are a number of players that would leave playing for another team in Major League Baseball to come to the PCL where they got paid better and would play in front of more fans. I mean, Major League Baseball... um, ultimately would expand we, we know this um in time with you know the giants moving out here and the dodgers moving out here and and then the angels start up i mean that would happen eventually but who knows how long we would have waited if not for the existence of the pacific coast league where mlb was able to see just how rabid of a fan base uh, was out here and how much people loved baseball on the west coast the pcl was so important for that and there were great teams and great histories and great traditions that again have existed since 1903 that are no more because a name change i mean shoot ted williams joe dimaggio hey angel wise jimmy reese a huge part of that i mean the, the connections run really deep, especially here with the Angels. And I think that's something that I, don't, I want to try to do a better job on on different you know outlets here, just talking about the history of the game because the PCL history is just so deep, just so rich, and there's so many Angel ties. You know, Over time, we're going to spend more time talking about that and making those connections because I think it's important that that legacy never get lost and, and new, younger fans uh, to be able to recognize uh, where – this all came from and how we got to where we are today. You never want to forget that. Uh, Last thing here before we take a short break is I don't know how many people were able to see this, but while we're talking, I know earlier talking about, you know, you know, Len Hollywood and, and, you know, the importance of Memorial Day, Alex Cobb did a really cool thing with the Taylor family uh, from his time in Tampa Bay, a family he still remains close with. It was a great story on ESPN.com following the passing of Jake Taylor, who was killed in action in 2006, part of a four-vehicle convoy in Baghdad. His close friend Brian Taylor was on board, and and after Jake passed, uh, he left behind a a wife and child uh, in Florida and on a Wounded Warriors Day at the ballpark at at Tropicana Field. Alex Cobb was a part of that and got to know the Taylors and since um, has befriended them and stays in close contact with them. And even when the Angels go to Tampa Bay uh, here in a couple of weeks, Alex Cobb plans on getting back together with them. Again, it's on ESPN.com. Really cool story about Alex Cobb. And I think it's also fitting that Alex's best performance of the season came on this Memorial Day weekend just the other day when he tossed seven shutout innings against the Oakland A's. So a lot of Memorial Day ties. And just let's just take a broader scope at our game and what it's all about and why we do this. And I'm glad that we get an opportunity here on this Memorial Day because Baseball is such a part of the fabric of American history. That part can never be lost in our game. Uh, it's important that we continue uh, to tell those stories and uh, make those connections because that is what you know this game truly is all about. It is the national pastime for a reason. 
And then this week, uh, another important issue in baseball, and this is cool. What MLB is doing, it's the first time I've ever done this. They're celebrating Lou Gehrig Day. So, again, I told you we were recording this on June the 2nd. Today is the the real Lou Gehrig Day. The Angels are going to be celebrating it tomorrow, and we'll tell you about what they're going to be able to do uh, tomorrow. But at least um, we'll we'll tell you today, today being Lou Gehrig Day, uh, it's the same day, June the 2nd. It was this day in, what was it, 1925? Yeah, 1925. That Lou Gehrig was inserted into the lineup for the Yankees and never came out. Essentially, uh, becoming the Iron Horse. It's how he got uh, his name, setting the record uh, for most consecutive games played. And poor Wally Pip, uh, still feel bad for that guy. Uh, you miss one game, and all of a sudden, Lou Gehrig comes in and takes over from there. Amazingly, it was also on this day, uh, June the second, that uh, Lou Gehrig would uh, end up passing away in 1941. The two-time MVP, seven-time All-Star, Triple Crown winner, five-time World Series champion, a batting champion, and Hall of Famer. Uh, Lou Gehrig, arguably one of the greatest left-handed hitters. Not even arguably. He's one of the greatest left-handed hitters of all time. And um, after passing from ALS, more commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease, Major League Baseball is taking this day, June the 2nd, and they're going to do this, I think they're going to do it every year, to try to raise awareness of ALS, try to raise some money uh, for those that are trying to find a cure. Uh, for ALS, and it's going to be important that uh, baseball do this, and that is something that has impacted um, so many people. But it's just going to be a great day to remember the legacy of Gehrig and all those that lost the disease uh, that bears his name. Um, also to celebrate the groups and individuals have led in the pursuit of cures. Um, all players, managers, and coaches are going to have a special Lou Gehrig Day patch on their uniforms, while a red four ALS wristbands are going to be available to be worn in the game. All the home teams are going to host ceremonies and display four ALS logos in their ballparks. Of course, uh, it's the number four ALS commemorating uh, Lou Gehrig wearing the number four. Um, as far as the Angels are concerned and, and how it's going to happen here tomorrow, June the 3rd, here at the Big A, there's going to be two local organizations that are going to be um, uh, recognized here at the ballpark, Augie's Quest and ALS Association Orange County Chapter. Uh, those two groups are, are going to be here at the Big A, and you'll be able to find out all kinds information um, about that moving forward so some really cool stuff uh, that the MLB is doing and the Angels I know are I'm sure are honored to be a big part of that I think it's going to be a really cool day uh, celebrating Lou Gehrig Day tomorrow here at Angel Stadium and uh, today here on June the 2nd across Major League Baseball um, it's just a special initiative uh, for the Angels I want to move gears again to something else now I told you earlier we got an update on Mike Trout's status so Mike Trout is out of the walking boot. So here we are two weeks in to that six to eight week window. So now four to six weeks left. Uh, one could presume for when Mike Trout uh, could return to the Angels lineup. You know, it may, maybe maybe that does. Maybe Trout gets aggressive and he tries to come back before the All-Star game. Who knows? Uh, I wouldn't put anything past Mike Trout. But he's out of the walking boot. And here's Joe Madden talking about what that means for Mike right now. I think it's a mental adhesion. The fact that it's off that he probably is going to feel a bit better about himself being uh, more able to move around freely. I think that's, uh, no pun intended, the first step. And then after that, I don't know what the exact process looks like. Um, but believe me, he's motivated to get back. So whatever the, whatever the minimal time is, I think he will, he will attempt to attack it in that way. Um, we cannot be more eager to get him back. Um, again, I've talked about it from the beginning, to keep our head above water, we kind of have a little bit uh, in, in his absence. 
uh, and then we just, again, we just got a couple more guys rolling right here. I think we could cover it pretty well. We have to pitch. We have to pitch starting in bullpen like everybody else does. Uh, but the team on the field is starting to get a nice feel about them. Guys that are getting opportunity are taking advantage of it. Uh, but it'll be so much fun to sit down in the morning with my cup of coffee and write his name in the lineup. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to that. Maybe nobody more so than Mike Trout and Joe Madden themselves. Um, there you go. Angels uh, certainly hoping to get Trouty back soon. And again, there's about four to six weeks left. Uh, the Angels are going to have to try to like the phrase keeps being said, tread water without Mike Trout. The only good news in that is that the Angels' schedule is uh, not too tough in the month of June. Until the end of the month, the Angels are going to play uh, the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. I know that Mike Trout, I'm sure, would love to be in that series that last week in June in New York. I don't see how that's going to be possible. But, uh, you know, again, with, with Mike Trout, um, I wouldn't rule anything out. But, again, that, that would be um, – I think that's beyond being optimistic. I, I don't know that that is uh, realistic at all. Um, did want to get to a couple of tweets that folks have sent in using the hashtag Angels Recap. We appreciate those fans uh, that do that. And I know that uh, there's one I want to get to. Christian Ilton sent one in uh, the other day saying that um, he was surprised to see uh, Joe uh, leave Shohei in the game with men on first and second. This was back on May 28th, uh, but he earned that chance. Um, you know, this was the game that Shohei started. Um, his line ended up not being great. Uh, this was the game in Oakland where Shohei ended up giving up three runs in six innings. But I thought I actually pitched better than maybe what that line shows. He goes, not much you can do when you only score a run. In your opinion, where do the Angels need to look for offense? Seems like just two days ago we scored nine runs. It's a great point, and appreciate you using the hashtag Angels Recap and being a part of our show. You know, it was I, I talked about this a lot before. You need guys like Anthony Rendon to step up, and you need David Fletcher to get things going. And it looks like he has. It looks like Rendon could be on the other side of the slump that he has been in. He, obviously, you know when Justin Upton is rolling, he is a huge piece. Jared Walsh has been so consistent. You love to see some of those guys be at their best, and you want to see them at their best at the same time. And I know that's been hard to find. For the Angels, it's consistency. It's it's about finding that. Um, and, and I really think that Rendon is a game changer for the Angels. I mean, that guy's a superstar. And I, I think that when the Angels have, you know, the Angels have basically survived two months with Rendon not being himself. Once he becomes himself, this guy, in my opinion, is a top 10 hitter in baseball. And just two years ago, I would have said top five. He might even still be top five. We got to see. Uh, but I really am impressed um, with Rendon's swing just in general. I, I just have always been a fan of this guy. And you're waiting to see it translate here with him as an angel. And after the first two months, it really hasn't. But then again, first day in June, Anthony Rendon goes out, gets three hits, drives in five runs, gets a double. That's what he does. I love that from uh, Anthony Rendon. I think I think Rendon is the key uh, to all of the Angels' success that they could have uh, here this month and moving forward. And then you get Mike Trout back, and then uh, life feels all of a sudden a lot better. And like Joe said it, I've said it, they still have to pitch. They have to pitch better than they have, and that's the guys that are here have to be better than they've been. And maybe it means that somebody else has to come from the outside. Maybe a couple guys, a couple arms come in, and they can make the difference for this Angels team. I think that this Angels group has potential. 
Um, but again, you got to be able to pitch, but the lineup has to give you something too. And Christian, I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, good stuff there. All right, that's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. I want to thank Hannah Stang for all her work behind the scenes and getting this uh, podcast up and available to you. If you haven't yet, be sure to click that subscribe button. We'd love to be able to get this podcast to you ASAP. Uh, every week it comes out on Wednesdays. Then it gets sent right into your inbox. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be looking for it anywhere. Of course, keep on going to angels.com slash podcast if that's where you found this one or if we're available on, on Apple Podcasts or available every, anywhere that you get podcasts. This podcast is available. So whatever you are most comfortable with, now be sure to do that. My name is Trent Rush. Hey, thanks to all of you for being a part of our show by getting online, using the hashtag Angels Recap on Twitter, finding me at Trent Rush Sports, and be sure to tune in after every Angels home game. We are on Angels Radio AM 830. Your home for Angels baseball, Terry Smith and Mark Langston call the games, and you can hang out with me on your drive home. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Angels Recap Podcast.